Welcome back to the Charged Up Show. In this episode, we interviewed John Abiera, who's a strength and conditioning coach at NLPT. Many of our listeners who have trained at NLPT know John and how much of a great guy he is. This episode was brought to you by NLPT. The NLPT performance and therapy team is made up of coaches and therapists who work collaboratively to increase your capacity and tolerance to strain so you can reach the next level of sport and life. Using a model of assessment, program design, and ongoing coaching, NLPT provides an individualized approach to optimizing your training experience and get you the results you want while preparing your body with the tools in need to stay healthy. You can check out their team and facilities at www.mynlpt.com. And Next Level Performance Training, your home for performance and wellness in Cambridge, Ontario. Please welcome to the podcast NLPT trainer, mental endurance coach, John Abiera. Thanks for having me. Awesome. <laughs> so let's get, in, let's get into it quick. Just uh, obviously currently right now, I'm assuming you're not in school at the moment. I'm uh, actually in a few classes right now. I'm oh. in four online classes. Oh, really? So run us through what your online classes have been like and how NLPT has been like during COVID. So honestly, it's been, I'm not saying that it's very strong with like online stuff. So trying to stay disciplined enough to work on school and focus on work has been kind of hard. So try and find a sweet spot in like my days where I just cut off just a small amount of time to slowly chip away at stuff. But again, online stuff, extremely hard. So, I mean, I'm doing the best that I can, but I, I think it's going well. It's basically <laughs> like self, you have to teach yourself, which is crazy, especially at university level. It's, it's a little rough, especially when some profs don't really give you any help, I guess. So like mm. a few of my profs don't even post online lecture videos. So they just send out the PowerPoints and you have to teach yourself wow. like, completely. <laughs> so I'm sure it's going to be rough, uh, rough going into September too, right? Yeah. And so um, I think you asked what classes I was in. So yeah. I'm in two philosophy classes. I'm in a CS class and then I'm in a rec 100 class. Oh. Okay, nice, yeah. nice. Fun time. Yeah, it was hard, like, especially for all three of us. Like, when school came, like, it was it was a big adjustment, right? Like, trying to get used to that yeah. online stuff. But, um, yeah, I think we've gotten, gotten it down. Me and Keith are doing a little religion class, too. So it's just getting each other away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get a spare for grade 12, so. Oh, that's key. Trust me, that's so key. Yeah. <laughs> more to the trainer perspective when COVID was starting like it, it really started to hit mid-march um how was that transition as a trainer working at nlpt like what what uh what was your thought process through it and how has that changed from uh from starting in in march till now and like the whole i guess you now you're back in the gym you're we're getting yeah. slowly a few few people at a time but it's been a little bit of a roller coaster, I guess, eh? Yeah, so, so it was actually really cool. Um, I, I ended up taking a lot more responsibility with NLPT. So John Peel took a majority of the athletes, or well, he did take the athletes and teams. I took the whole adult side of that. And like it was the first time for me to really program and deal with just a set group of individuals for myself, which I thought was an amazing experience. And so like I got really overwhelmed at first because I just thought there was a lot going on, especially with school still going on. I was doing part of my thesis as well. So I had to finish 
like a, so i have to go through an ethics review board and so i was finishing that as well as programming and with everything else going on as well so like trying to make sure i was healthy and just dealing with other stuff and like it was a really big change but i think i I strongly believe in the quote um, pressure makes diamonds. Don't know if you guys hear, heard yeah, that before, yeah. but like I believe that the more pressure an individual has, the better that they'll end up doing just because they know that you just have to produce better quality work, I guess. Yeah, I, know. I really like that quote. That's awesome. <laughs> it definitely, yeah, that, that goes along the lines of like uh, develop, self development is like when you're put into those situations, you you have no choice whether to like to to develop as a person right you can either break exactly. or get better and the better the better opportunity there is to improve yourself right exactly exactly and like talking about self-development i am a very big advocate for that um some of the coaches i look up to is like um zach marchi um i believe matt you've worked with him before or like he's trained you before yeah um, zach marchi absolutely unreal individual when it comes to self-development and self and like just trying to um, become a better individual so i've picked up a lot of the habits that he's kind of put out onto instagram and like i've implemented that into my own life and seeing the changes that has happened has been absolutely unreal now that's another thing that's happened (laughs) taking a step from the self-development um you mentioned that (laughs) you went into fully training adults and that's something obviously we're not exposed to that obviously most um the athlete Mm -hmm straight athletes do you enjoy training them more than athletes or do you like training the athletes more what do you prefer it's uh it's a solid mix between the two so like training adults is a little bit different just because um as an individual gets older obviously you have to switch gears between performance to becoming a lot healthier and the adults we train are absolute animals they train relatively hard and then there's the other half that we have to focus on making sure that they work like work in a more efficient way i guess is a good way to put it where they're not putting themselves at injury and trying to prevent that so i like to focus on things called functional range conditioning where you focus on the joint health and make sure that you're able to get full range of motion instead of just obviously performance-based stuff and then with um athletes i love coaching the athletes or like just coming to see the athletes i guess too just because that's such a different perspective on the way they train they train to perform they train to absolutely win and having those two different ideologies between i think has helped me grow as a coach because now i can see it from a point of view where you're trying to prevent injury and i can also see it in a way where you're trying to perform to win for sure i'm trying to like trying to make up a question so are you a coach or like more of a personal trainer like do you give like dieting advice or like did you do you kind of go beyond just the form and stuff like that so i would i would still count myself as a coach because i still do train some teams at nlpt so i would still count myself as a coach and even with the adults we still program and we still coach them through certain movements so then i would still definitely count myself as a coach on that okay cool a lot of different trainers have different views on what the most important muscle group to develop is. And I'm curious to know what your, your ideas on that is. Most important muscle group. That's a weird, man. Huh? Uh, honestly, for me right now, I'd probably say the most important muscle group to develop is your lower back, just cause I've been having so much lower back <laughs> like problems lately. Yeah. And it's just because that kind of leads to other things. Actually, no, I, I take that back. I'd say like your, it starts from your ankles and goes up. So like having like functional ankles, so then 
I guess that's not really a muscle. That's more of like a bony prominent area, but like going from the ankles up. So like I've learned through just my experience that like, if you're, um, the way your feet are angled are just messed up by just a, like an inch, like mine is. So my right foot has a bit of an external rotation and that leads all the way up to my hip, which then led to my back injuries. So like making sure that it all starts from the bottom. So making sure that your alignment from your ankles works all the way perfectly up to the knees, to hips, to your um, spine. And then that leads up to your shoulders. So like, it's not really a muscle group, but um, bony prominent wise, I'd say starting from your ankles, making sure you have healthy ankles can do a vast majority of health, good things for you. And especially yeah. when uh, working out and training form is, I know Andrew says this all the time, but form is everything. Honestly, yeah, form is literally everything. And even even John Peel like will yeah, 100% like definitely. abide by that. Like form is literally everything. If he sees you doing a split squat improperly, he's going to lose his shit. Yeah. <laughs> Just totally restart. <laughs> so, let's let's hear let's hear your story now and talk about your coaching, but let's hear everything. Let's hear the sports, you know, rugby and football. I think you played when you were younger. Yeah. How how did you you obviously really love lifting, whether, however you like it. And um, you see that on Instagram and obviously you like coaching and went to school for yeah. the body. And so run us through your story. Um, Man, this is awesome. So starting off, I'd have to say that um, I always started off lifting when I was young, when I was maybe like grade six, I asked my parents for a chin-up bar just because I didn't want to like do anything else. So I had a chin-up bar installed in my room and it just started from there. So I was doing chin-ups, push-ups, squats, whatever I could up until grade nine. Grade nine is when I got introduced to rugby. Rugby was like the one sport that I just kind of fell in love with. I had this one coach named Mr. Galatly and like he absolutely just, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. And he, oh, okay. He absolutely like fucked us up during practice. There was one drill where you were in a team of four and you had to hit up um, um, tackling dummy, I guess, from the five, it started off at the 10 yard line. And then you had to hit, run back, hit, run back, hit, run back. And you had to take the dummy all the way to the other side of the field. Oh. And like that absolutely killed me. Yeah. But I remember coming off that practice and I was like, you know what? Like, this is something I actually love to do. And like that just started everything. So then I played rugby for grade nine, 10, 11, 12, throughout all high school, I guess. And then grade 11 is when I was introduced to weight training, like the actual class. And my one teacher, Mr. Hickey, he was like the first like individual that actually truly believed in me as an individual. I was a relatively small person, but like he taught me a lot of things that I still remember to this day as to just kind of like bringing my own personality to the gym and be the person that you're meant to be in the gym. So like a lot of people will try to act all tough and cool and everything. And I'm very much not like that. I like having a very playful personality in the gym and have fun because I strongly believe that if you're going to pursue something for the rest of your life, you might as well have fun doing it. And so that was something I learned from Mr. Hickey and like I carry that on. And then football was grade 11 and 12. And I, I think G talked about this, like difference between football and rugby. Mm-hmm. I honestly believe that rugby was a lot safer than football because football, I just got absolutely <laughs> fucked. Like it was just so much harder. So like that was rough. Um, going into university, I knew that I kind of loved sports in general. And then I just knew that kinesiology was the right call for me. 
in my first year, I unfortunately dislocated my shoulder three times. So then I displayed my dislocated my shoulder three times and needed to get surgery for it. And so I got surgery going into my second year. I was committed. I really wanted to play rugby, like varsity rugby for UW. And like my surgery time was, I want to say like two months away from preseason camp. And so I had to make a choice whether it was a right call for me to play rugby or not. And so I was still really committed to it. And I decided to play rugby with two months of healing time. I kind of paid the price for that. Um, it just didn't really go well for my shoulder. I was in a lot of pain and I went back to my surgeon. He was like, that wasn't the right call. Like you could have risked like permanent injury for life. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, shit. <laughs> so I guess that's not the right call for me. And then from that point, I was introduced to strength and conditioning with Andrew Hoff. And that was through one of my coworkers, Zach. So Zach Marchi actually worked at GNC with me. And then I was talking to him one shift and he was just like, yeah, like this might be the right thing for you. Like try it out. So then he put in a good word to Andrew for me. And then I mean, started interning with Andrew and I was working with the women's basketball team for a bit, helping out with the football team as well. And then I just found a passion for coaching. And then I had a lot of mentors to look up to. So like Zach was a great mentor. Um, Sierra Moores was another good mentor. And like just watching Andrew, Andrew coach on his own I thought was probably the most like influential thing that I've seen pe seeing people just kind of light up and like listen to him and how he can walk into a room and just command the room to like kind of listen yeah. to him and help them become better. I thought that was the coolest thing that I've ever seen. And that was something I wanted to do because I wanted to make an impact on the world as well. And like, I thought that was the way to do it. And so I helped, um, I interned for UW for two years and then and last summer, Hoff came up to me and offered me a job to work at NLPT. And that's where I kind of am today. That's a great story. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's really cool to hear how everything kind of turns around. Like I, I, when I was playing football and I was training at NLPT, I was with Zach, um, Zach and yeah. John <laughs> Peel. Uh, and yeah, they're, they're really influential people and they, they, you can tell they're really comfortable in that space and I'm sure you are as well too, but it's and like his story at GNC and it's cool how you met him there. And yeah, it's everything. It's a small world kind of thing. It, yeah. It's kind of weird how everything kind of fell into place and how one thing led to another. And I didn't realize this at first, but like I would have never been where I am today if I didn't get surgery. Yeah. And like, that was the weirdest thing for me to kind of realize, but like I'm thankful that I had surgery, even though it kind of set me back on like goals that I had it still led me to where I am today and I'm more than grateful. Yeah. yeah. And I always say it to myself, I am a true believer of, you know, everything happens for a reason. And like you said, with like your old, like gym, gym coach, like it's, it's great. Like surrounding yourself with people that, you know, have the same kind of mindset and same goals exactly. that you want to achieve. So it just, it helps the process to where you want to be, which is, you know, obviously great to see in here. And one thing I've learned working with all other strength coaches and everything, everyone kind of has their own niche and they have their own way to like twist things. Cause like, I guess there's no wrong way to coach cause everyone has like, well, I mean, there is a wrong way to coach if you're telling someone in proper form, <laughs> but like everyone has their own way of coaching and talking to others, the way they build connections with people. And I yeah. find that really interesting. Cause like, I believe that having a strong connection with the person you're training is extremely important and seeing how people build that connection is amazing so like i'm uh, talking about john peel for example 
seeing him constantly with the athletes he trains and seeing the connection he has with them is something that I want to have with athletes that I train so that they put all their trust and belief in John. And I would want the exact same thing for the athletes I train because I just want them to succeed as well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah that, that's a really good point being there. And you talk about John and you and Andrew and you, you can tell or like you have a new intern, right? Or co-ops, whatever. We have different people there. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, but you're always going to John over anyone else usually there. If Andrew's there, oh, <laughs> and if Andrew's there, you're going to Andrew over John because just because you've known it, you've Andrew's been there forever. John's been there for longer, right? It's always that trusting's a big thing. It's it's all about trust at the end of it. Like you have to trust who you're putting the like it's about just trusting the individual because if you're you're essentially putting all your training, all your effort into that one person and you have to believe in what they say in order to become better. Exactly. And like weightlifting and training, just like everything else has uh, a risk factor in it. So you gotta, you gotta have those relationships to be able to trust who you're taking that advice to. Right. Exactly that. Yeah. So that was a better way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) No, everything all works out, but, um, (laughs) this kind of goes, everything sound like a little personal. We talked about that trust and stuff and, um, also things that happen, right. Um, I think grade nine, I had a bunch of hamstring issues. I pulled it two or three times, um, all in the gym. Wow. Uh, in the gym, I would heal it, and, and then I would tweak it. Then at school, I would tweak it. And um, so then I kind of, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks went by, and I, I wouldn't squat heavy. I'd squat really light. I wouldn't do anything. And eventually, my trainer, Neil, who I, I actually want to get on eventually, he's an awesome guy, and I had a really good connection with him. I trusted him completely, and he event he's like you need to stop like you need to stop holding back you might tweak it but like just do the right things and like pick your shit up and get going and that kind of changed everything for me just because i trusted him and when someone says that thing to you and you trust him like wow like i really do need to get over it so that was i just want to throw in there for all you guys that i thought it was i just thought about that now and that's pretty cool because it changed so much absolutely exactly and just kind of like to piggyback on that too like from we've all had our injuries and I think we can all agree that injuries create a a mental barrier and it's you you oftentimes need that person to get you through it because it's hard to do it on your own just because you have that mental barrier of like sure I shouldn't do this so I'll uh, I'll hurt myself even more so it's good to also again have that person with you too right yeah exactly yeah but um but yeah moving on to i know you're you've said that you're really into mental endurance and this is something i find and i'm sure we all do find really really cool and a really cool subject uh and you're a big fan of david goggins who's yeah. huge into that as well um but what what's your thought process on on mental endurance and just before you say that there i know Nate and I have played football, Matt played hockey, or plays hockey. Uh, there's, in whatever you do, there's a mental side of everything. And I think having a mental endurance, uh, having that mental endurance altogether really helps you through everything just because you can, you can push through everything, right? Exactly, yeah. So, like, um, what I stumbled upon a david goggins video and like it talked about how he i think he's the only individual that went through like three hell weeks in one year so a hell week is like an american um army thing where like you go through all the training it's supposed to be the hardest training of your life 
And like he went through it three times in a single year, which I thought was absolutely insane to think about. And then in this video, he talked about how like the feel the point where you feel like you're about to quit, you've only tapped into like a certain percentage of how much you actually have left. And so like I was really drawn to that fact. And I was like, you know, like this can't be right. Like I don't know if this is true or not, but like I really want to test this out for myself. And like I just want like in the video too, sorry, um, he talked about how like the, the more you learn about yourself or you learn the most about yourself through these mental like battles that you have. So like mental endurance stuff is when you learn the most about yourself and what you're actually truly capable of. Right. And so there was one weekend, I want to say it was before quarantine, it was maybe like a month or so beforehand. I, after my charity fundraiser, I took a long time off the salt bike. I was just, I was just done. I was drained. And so I was like, you know what? I, I watched this video. I was like, I'm going to test this. I'm going to jump on the salt bike. My one goal was to try and hit 50 miles. Like that's still one of my goals for this year. Don't know why, but I just really want to hit 50 miles. And so I was like, I haven't trained for this. I don't know how well this is going to go. I'm just going to attempt it and I'm going to see what I like encounter. And so I jumped on the bike and then I want to say around 20 miles, which is an hour in, I was holding a decently solid pace too. It was around 260 something watts. Yep. And so I was holding that for an hour and like my legs started to give up and like, I just wanted to quit. Like there was, I want to say like nothing else in me. And like, I just, just wanted to just, just give up, quit. And then I remember that the quote essentially that like, once you hit this um, block that you only reach a certain percentage. And I was like, okay, keep going and just keep having do one foot over the other, one foot over the other. <clears throat> I got to around, I want to say 40, yeah, 40 miles. And that's another block. And I was, I was just ready to quit. I was, my body was just essentially breaking apart, I guess, in my own way of saying it. Yeah. And I, I was just so close to 50 miles that I was like, I have to keep going. And like, that just kept pushing me. I was like this mental endurance thing I have to see. And like, each mile felt like forever, but I was learning so much more and more about me. The speaker actually died at 41 miles and I had no speaker no. and I was just in just silence, nothing else but the bike. That was all I heard. Mm. And so I like got to around 44 and 44, like I just physically could not like move my legs. And I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going, go as far as I can. I hit 45 and that was my time point i was unfortunately unable to hit my 50 but like i collapsed off that bike and like there was this giant sense of like accomplishment that i've never had before and it was knowing that like i pushed my body to a point where i really want to say was my true limit mm -hmm. i don't know if it was for sure but like it felt like it for sure and like there was just something about that i learned that um if i was able to push myself that hard in that you can correlate that to anything else in life you just have to commit to that. So like, it's a self-discipline type thing. Like the more you push yourself through uncomfortableness, the more you learn about yourself and the more you can actually push through what you actually think you like typically can't. And like, that was a really solid learning point for me. And like, I kind of always look back at that thing that happened this year. I look back at it and I'm like, Hey, like I pushed through probably one of the hardest things I've done in a while. And like, I was able to not hit my goal, but I still prevailed past the point where I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit at 20 miles, which was an hour in. I quit an hour and 15 later, which on the salt bike sucks. Yeah. It sucks absolute ass. That's, an, that's so like, incredible. Yeah. It was honestly, it was a really accomplishing thing. So like mental endurance, I think just correlates to so much to life. 
And like, it doesn't even have to be the self, like it could be running, it could be any type of thing. As long as it pertains to what you want to do, it just helps train your self-discipline to help you push past uh, mental barriers, I guess. Yeah, and personally, like, I I wouldn't say it was anything like that, but um, it was just in the beginning of quarantine and I went for a jog. Uh, it was a pretty far run. And I was, I went, I picked two points that I wanted to run to. So I'd run all the way there and then run all the way back. And I got there and then I was about halfway back on my way to my like final destination. And I was like gassed. I was so done and ready to quit because I I didn't run for a long time before that. So I just kind of went out and did it. And I just, I, that kind of thought in my, uh, came to my head too, where like I'm done, but I'm not, I'm not stopping. Like I gotta, I gotta finish this. Um, and I I did. And it was like, you just gotta, you kind of zone out when you're doing it really. And you just have that goal in mind. And I think it's so cool. Like it's, it's something you have to experience for yourself, but the, the feeling of accomplishing even something so little like that is, it's like, it makes, it makes everything worth it. Right. Like it's so, it's such a great pain that you kind of go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And even like, it was just a run I did and I was like, there's no, what's the big deal, but it's just those little goals you can set for yourself and accomplish that, that changes everything. Right. Exactly. And it all adds up no matter what. So no matter, even if it's a small goal like that, that adds up. And then you slowly train that self-discipline as you carry on. So then you could have done another one afterwards and you felt that accomplishment again. And it just keeps adding on. So. Exactly. And I think like for anyone, for everyone listening too, um, it's important to take what we're talking about here. Like set your goals and do it. And just like, just make sure you get it done because the the sense of accomplishment is so addicting that you just want to keep doing more and more things that uh, give you that sense of accomplishment, which sets you down such a great path and sets you up for success, essentially. Yeah, that's a solid way to put it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so so wrapping up here, let's go on our last topic and that you mentioned is uh, the be your own hero. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> right? That's correct. Yes. So what? Inspired you to do that and then tell us what it is and if you plan on doing something like that again or tell yeah. us how, how it went um so this was actually a little inspired by ben Finelli. um there was a video he posted on instagram about being the um something about predator and prey or something along those lines okay. and like i remember watching that in bed and like that kind of sparked things like in my head and i was like yeah this is pretty sweet and then it's coming up towards my birthday and i was like you know what like i've always wanted to do something for my birthday and I've always wanted to give back to the community in a way and like there's like all these things just started happening in my head like it just came as a random idea and I was like you know what I love the assault bike and I can kind of find a way to assault bike for charity and I think that'd be so sweet so then I texted John Peel I texted Andrew Hoff I texted Zach like whoever worked at LPT and I was like hey I have this really crazy idea where I will bike a certain amount on the assault bike for a certain amount of money that's donated to me. And like, I didn't know any logistics to it or anything. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go for it. Like I, this video, it's kind of, I'm, I'm motivated. I really want to do this. And so I didn't really think of anything else, but I was like, I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna say, say $2 for every mile on the bike. Or like it was supposed to be, yeah, I, I want to say it was $2 for every mile on the bike. And I decreased that down to every dollar was a mile. And so 
I did exactly that. And then I made Instagram posts and everything. And like, I was shocked by the amount of people that supported me in the first few days. My goal was to hit a thousand dollars. And I think I hit that in the first week or two, which was absolutely mind blowing to me. And so, um, the reason the charity I chose to donate to was kids sport KW because growing up, um, I didn't really grow up in the most wealthy of family, but my mom knew how important sports were to me. And so my, like she did whatever she could to, to keep me in sports because she knew that's what made me happy. And so I wanted to do exactly that and do that for someone else that might not be able to afford it. And so that was a charity that I wanted to donate to. And then I went through that whole thing. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to bike everything on my own. I allowed other individuals to help out on the bike. So then I had an Excel sheet of everyone that kind of contributed to my charity. And it was just a really cool thing to do. And I forgot the other question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think. No, that was it. Yeah, that was it. All right. <laughs> well, that's, that's incredible. That's so cool. That's super inspiring. And like, mm. that's what, like, it was just a random thing. You're just like, you know, I'm gonna do very, this very similar to very similar to the podcast you guys have it was just a random thought and like, yeah. i learned that whenever you have those random thoughts you kind of just have to go for them and for that's sure. the best way to do it i guess and like i guess i just remembered it um i do want to do something similar to that but i want to do it in a more grand way and i want to um, raise a lot more money so well, trying to figure out <laughs> pardon you can do it with the charged up show then yeah, <laughs> yeah i'd be down Honestly, that'd be so sweet. Like, I honestly want this to impact as many people as I can because um, if I could be remembered for one quote, it would be to leave the um, to leave the world in a better place than you found it. Mm-hmm. Because if I were to um, travel the world just once, I want to leave everyone in a better way than I found them. And I think that's probably the most inspiring thing to do if you can just do anything, just that one thing. Yeah, that's super wise. That's giving awesome. me chills. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the perfect way to wrap it up unless you guys had any questions, but that was a perfect way to yeah, wrap it up. Yeah, that was amazing. Coming on. Yeah, you're a very, very inspiring person. I hope I hope this interview inspires <laughs> a lot of other people to, to do what they want to do too, right? Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. This is actually awesome. Yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. And we hope, we wish you the best of luck um, on any future things. And hopefully we can work together on something coming soon.